Happy Mother's Day. Uh, you'll notice that I'm wearing a flower here. And this flower is kind of a tradition that I grew up with. That on Mother's Day, we would wear a red flower, usually a carnation, or if our mother was alive, to honor her, or if, our, if a mother had passed away, then a person would wear a white flower. So that's a tradition that uh, is around. Uh, obviously, uh, we don't experience that in this congregation, but in some places that's a, a very strong tradition, if you want to use that term. So um, I thought today I would just wear a flower in honor of my mom. Yesterday I celebrated Mother's Day with her. Uh, she's 95 and doing okay at the Mennonite home. So we're very grateful for the care that she gets there. And uh, it's a real blessing for her to be there and enjoy the remainder of her life. There was a lady named Anna Jarvis who started the first Mother's Day celebration in 1908 to celebrate her mom's passing. She encouraged government leaders to honor mothers, and they established Mother's Day in 1914 in the United States. So I think that tradition has grown to many other countries around the world. And so the second week of May, second Sunday of May, is uh, celebrated as Mother's Day. It's a day when we can honor women and uh, cherish everything that they've done for us and accomplished. So we thank them for the work that they've done here in this church, uh, helping in various ways in um, Sunday school, in uh, the ladies' ministries. Uh, they're such a great support to in many areas of our church, and we're grateful for the work that they do in not only in our church, but in their homes and in society. So if you have a mom today, think of something special that you can thank her for and tell her that you love her. We see many mums that are very self-sacrificing, heroic, godly women. Women whose focus is being a wife and mother that loves, that cares, and supports her husband and children. It doesn't happen by accident. It has to be worked at diligently. And sometimes when it seems they're exhausted and there's nothing to give, God gives them extra resources and strength. Uh, they rise up in the middle of the night to look after a sick child. And then first thing in the morning, they're there for the other children and husband, uh, get them off to school and off to work. And then, no, they don't go back to bed and sleep the rest of the day. They're busy caring for that sick child or doing all the other responsibilities that they have and go on and on and on. And I, sometimes, even watching my wife, I get tired. Uh, 
So I know that she's tired as well. Whether it's laundry, cooking, driving kids to activities, helping in church, teaching manners or godly principles, women, mothers are super. Dads and mothers need to teach their children the Bible and to obey it by example. So today is a day we can honor mothers. Now, if you're here with us today, you have a mother. We are grateful for the sacrifices and the challenges which our mother experienced when they brought us into this world. We're also grateful for the advances that have taken place over the last hundred years, to, uh, which has made childbirth a lot safer with a lot less infant mortality and mother mortality. My grandmother on my father's side, Amelia Weckheser, was born April 23, 1896, in the Ukraine to a German Lutheran family. She lost her mother at a very young age. And when her father remarried, the stepmother did not want her and her younger two-year-old sister. So they were put up for adoption. There was a young teenager, unmarried, who adored Amelia and asked her dad, who was a very wealthy uh, industrialist at the time in the Mennonite communities there, whether they could adopt her. And so the father said, if you take and pay for her care from your allowance, we will take her in. And so she was adopted into that family. Uh, she was able to go to school. Uh, she did things like learning guitar and stuff like that when she was a young teen and had good friends. And uh, so <clears throat> uh, as she grew up, uh, graduated from school, she became a seamstress, and uh, she also taught a number uh, of other young ladies and looked after uh, them as they were seamstress as well. So, um, Amelia's sister, uh, my grandmother's sister, died when my dad was born. And exactly that time, and she wasn't able to go to her sister's funeral because she had just given birth to my dad and was bedridden at that time. So there's often in our lives times of pain, and times of joy. We take for granted the good life that we had today, we have today. So many of you here know the difficulties that uh, you've experienced and your ancestors have experienced in coming to this country. We have transitioned from horse drag, horse uh, drawn wagons to cars and trucks, 
washing clothes by hand and throwing them into a wash machine and dryer. We have indoor plumbing. We have heating and air conditioning. We have dishwashers. So many new things today that make life easier, but still, there's still difficulties. Often, there's difficulties in our relationships. One of the experiences that my grandmother experienced then was rejection of her father and putting her up for adoption because her stepmother didn't want her. If you can imagine that kind of pain of, of rejection. Although she was able to go to a very wealthy family, it didn't make up for that rejection. And um, actually, she didn't say anything about it throughout her life. And I only found out that that had happened to her years after she had passed away. There are many in Scripture. As I began to think through what I would share this morning, I, I started in Genesis and, and began to think through what the Bible tells us about, about women and mothering. And um, I came up with some passages that I'd like to share with you this morning. Abram was faced with drought when he moved down from Can- to Canaan. And as a result, he chose to move to Egypt, where he passed his wife off as his sister to save his own skin. At that point, I don't think Abram had a very good sense of the God who protects us and that God would have protected him. So Pharaoh gave Abram sheep and donkeys and men servants and female servants um, after he had taken Sarai into his court. Genesis 12 tells us that when Sarah went to Pharaoh's household, God brought sickness and barrenness. And as a result, the Egyptians tried to figure out what was happening in their household and realized that this started to occur when Sarai had come into their household. And so they wanted to get rid of her. So they found out that Really, Sarai was, was Abraham's wife and not his... Actually, she, he was a stepsister, but not a, you know, really a sister that you know, he was married to, really. And so they banished him from Egypt. In Genesis 16, if we follow this story, we see that Sarai had an Egyptian servant, a maid named Hagar. Because Sarai was barren, and God had promised Abraham to make him a great nation, Sarai came up with this idea of having a surrogate child. 
So Hagar became pregnant from Abraham. And when that happened, there was a a new dynamic happened in that family. Hagar began to despise Sarai. And Sarah became very abusive. So much so that Hagar felt the only way out of this dilemma was to run away. And as she fled, an angel met her and told her to go back to Sarai and submit to her. But that God heard her and he would take care of her. Hagar called God El Roy, the God who sees us. God sees people in their distress. He comes to bring healing to them. Maybe there's a problem that you're facing today. God sees you. He hears you. And he will bring healing to your heart and your soul. He will heal relationships and sorrows. He comforts and strengthens when there's abuse if we go to him and ask for healing. Another story in scriptures is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'd like to read that chapter because I think it, it gives it in a very uh, uh, compact way. And um, so in 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'd like to read to verse 20. There was a certain name, a man from Ramathium, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was called Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Penephas, the two sons of Eli, were priests to the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? 
Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, because, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And the name Samuel means God hears. So what was Hannah's pain? Okay, there were a couple things in this passage that brought her a lot of pain. The primarily one was that she couldn't conceive. That was the same pain that Sarai had experienced as well. But how did Hannah handle it? We see here that she cried out to God. In her anguish, was so great she couldn't even speak. It reminds me of the passage in the verses in Romans chapter 1. Sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. It says there, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit 
because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So God is listening to us, and he hears our cry. So what was God's response to Hannah's cry? God heard her. Just like he heard Hagar, he heard and answered answered Hannah's cry. God saw their pain, and he came and he answered their cry. I don't know what, what struggles you have, what pain is in your heart, what your cry is today, but God hears you. We also want to notice, however, that there is quite a time span in this story. Although it's you know just a short kind of passage here and it kind of jumps over years of their life, we we want to take, realize that you know there is a time period here. It's very probable. We're not told here specifically, but very probable that the reason Elkanah took a second wife was because Hannah was barren. And that he felt it was necessary to carry on the family line, and so he took this second wife, and rather than divorce Hannah, he, he, he just took a second wife. Unfortunately, that increased Hannah's pain because the second wife was able to conceive and have children, sons and daughters. And so we see that this went on for years and Pinanan provoked Hannah, Hannah to tears. She jeered at her, she mocked her. And Hannah had to face this year in and year out. I'm sure if we think about it, we can feel that pain inside her. We should be able to feel that pain inside her. The point that this addresses is that even though we cry out to God year after year, sometimes our prayers are not answered immediately. But God hears. And he does answer. If that answer had come immediately, as I thought about this, I thought, well, you know what? I'm not sure that Hannah would have dedicated Samuel, her son, to ministry. She probably just would have enjoyed family life together. Instead, for the privilege of of having that child, she was willing to give him up to serve Israel as a nation And Samuel became a great leader in the nation of of Israel. He anointed Saul. And he anointed David. 
to become king over Israel, and he did many other things for that country during that time period. So sometimes God waits until our heart is right, and then he will respond, he will answer. And so sometimes we cry out year after year and and wonder, where's God? How come he hasn't answered yet? Is God real? We ask these kind of questions. And yet, we see from these stories that God does hear. He does see our pain, and he wants to respond. Jesus understands our secret pains. Perhaps you've experienced some kind of ridicule some kind of rejection. Maybe you experienced punishment and hurt. Maybe you have trouble getting over the loss of a loved one uh, who has uh, gone on. God knows your heart cry. And we need to be persistent We need to persist and keep on praying and asking God to bring relief from that that pain. Often God uses others, like he did Eli in this story of Hannah. He uses others to bring comfort and to bring uh, help. I just encourage you, don't keep your pain to yourself. Find someone who will understand and share with them. And they may be able to help bear your burdens and encourage you and maybe help you find solutions. What Satan wants us to do is to keep our sacred pain to ourselves. Which will cause us to doubt God. It will cause us to to, uh, feel that God doesn't care about us. And as long as we have hidden pain in our heart, we will have difficulty with relationships. And so uh, I just encourage you, if you have pain in your heart, find someone to share that pain with so that They can encourage you, they can support you, and you can have victorious freedom. God never wants us to be tied up in knots by Satan. We all need people around us who care. And mothers are so nurturing, they're so caring, they're so loving. And we want to honor them today. We want to let them know that we love them. I guess the best time we could do, best thing we could do is to give our wives, our mothers, some time so that she can spend with the Lord. You know, if you're struggling with something, the best place to flee is to flee to God. Flee to the Lord, and he will deliver you. And so it is that we 
need to honor our moms. We need to bless them. We need to encourage them. We need to live lives that will help them uh, be joyful and grateful uh, for our existence. We want to fill their hearts with joy. And when we can do that, we too can enjoy life. Like the old saying says, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. So we want to make our moms happy, joyful, and experience the joy that God brings to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for our moms. We know that many of them have gone through struggles, through trials. There's been experiences that have challenged them over the years. And we're grateful for the sacrifices that our moms have made for us. Whether it was taking care of us when we were sick, whether it was giving up her freedoms to give us something that we could enjoy. We pray that we will have a heart of gratitude, a heart of love for our moms. And I pray, Lord, that if there's any, anyone, anyone, not just moms this morning, that have a heart pain, that you will hear their cry and answer. And I pray you will bring freedom, you will bring joy, and you will bring love. Thank you. Amen.